Hello, this is Ryan Fritz with Science of Cardio, delivering the latest and greatest and the pros and cons of exercise science. Hello, Ryan Fritz here with Science of Cardio, and today we are talking about inflammation and inflammation specific to nutrition and diet. So I'll go over kind of the overview, the pros and cons of inflammation. Inflammation is a process that our body does to repair, heal, grow tissues. It also helps out with longevity or lifespan or health of cells. And it also is linked with immunity, autoimmunity, gut health, digestion, and most commonly or what people associate inflammation with is joint health. So in other words, inflammation is a good process that the body does to heal and repair itself. It is a kind of balancing act of your body needs to do this process to heal damaged tissues. Um, a good example is, you know, if you sprain your ankle or hurt your foot or ankle, your foot will swell up or ankle will swell up. Uh, that swelling is kind of chemicals, blood pooling and nutrients and inflammation waste products it's basically trying to heal and repair those damaged cells tissues get the bad blood bad cells out of that area partly the reason it inflammates is to act as a cast so it immobilizes it or stiffens it up to keep you from using it and to help repair and heal itself so this is again a good process that our body does to fix things so we don't really you know want to avoid this process because it serves a purpose but there you know are goods and bads to it so the downside to inflammation is it can cause or lead to aches and pains in your joints uh, i always tell people you know aches and pains are communications from your brain to your body or your cells or your tissues so we need to listen to our body. We need to take in and think about, you know, why is my knee or elbow, you know, hurting? Why is it sore? Why is it achy? Your body is trying to get you to stop doing something or rest and recover. So we want to really be thoughtful about those aches and pains. So typically people, when they think of inflammation, typical is arthritis and calcification. So arthritis in the joints is an inflammation. Anything with an itis in it in the science field is an inflammation. So you might have a bursitis or arthritis, osteoarthritis, that's bone inflammation. So getting into, you know, that itis, what happens is, is your body tries to repair those stressed out joints, damaged ligaments, damaged tendons or tissues. It's trying to fix and repair. So where we run into problems and complications is when that is long-term. We're not eating the right food. Uh, maybe we're exercising too much, too intensely. We're not taking breaks and rests. So that can be detrimental to our joints and our health, and that will cause problems. Some other places that we see inflammation being a huge challenge or problem is in the gut or organs. So you'll notice you know, people have gut disease, They'll have organ failure, you know, the kidney, the liver, um, maybe a pancreatic issue. Type 2 diabetes is a huge indicator of inflammation. Um, blood pressure is an indicator of inflammation. So, you know, if these things aren't addressed, 
ultimately or chronically long term this can lead to death and uh, you know again organ failure so we kind of we you know you need to think about well diabetes you know I didn't you know grow up with it I wasn't born with it but you know you get this onset type 2 diabetes and a lot of people are getting it uh, because their nutrition their health their fitness is not well so this is just a kind of heads up precursor of if you don't take care of yourself and you're not eating properly or well these things will come back to you know negatively affect our life and longevity some other things as far as the food consumption goes or diet uh, some things that I try to avoid Potatoes are known to be high in inflammation or causing inflammation. Uh, processed foods or box foods. Um, also gluten, uh, high sugars, high sugars that are processed. Um, these have been known to lead to cancers, diabetes, pancreatic, thyroid issues, hormonal problems. So again, just food for thought, heads up. In addition to that, dairy um, will stimulate hormonal production, thyroid. Um, again, too much of a, a thing is not good, too little of a thing is not good. So dairy, uh, wheat, grains can be sensitive to people. Some people don't process them well. So this is kind of a mainstream thing, but um, everybody's different. Everybody's got their own unique chemistry. Some people can tolerate breads better than others. Some people, you know, celiac disease can't do any grains sugars at all so you know just food for thought so going into the anatomy behind inflammation so I always kind of go into the endocrine system or the thyroid is kind of the trigger of the endocrine system or hormones um, you know if you have had thyroid cancer thyroid surgeries if you you know you're missing half your thyroid these are all going to affect um, hormone production it's going to affect weight gain weight loss weight management it's going to affect hormonal processes it can affect childbirth labor um, growing muscle tissue repair so we'll kind of get into the hormones biggest thing with eating nutrition and inflammation is these hormones get triggered and certain things you know get elevated and certain things get suppressed and hormones kind of work in a balance so there's certain things you know like testosterone is going to counteract cortisol estrogen is going to kind of go opposite of progesterone you have um, epinephrine is going to balance out you know serotonin and tranquilizers so all this stuff is kind of a balancing act with inflammation uh, we we see cortisol as this stress hormone so on the exercise side of things if you're you know running five six seven days a week your cortisol levels are going to be high as a fight or fight kind of response and essentially our body when it's in fear or life-threatening situations it kicks on cortisol adrenaline and all these kind of epinephrine and norepinephrine hormones to get us out of harm's way so it will literally spike all these hormones to get us to run faster jump higher fight off some threat I always kind of preach to my clients about you know cortisol has a purpose and when we exercise, we do this fight or flight response. When you go run, it spikes that. So my 
kind of thought or theory is do we want to be spiking or forcing that stress hormone every single day? Do we want to be doing that frequently a lot? So um, studies show us that cortisol levels are highest in the morning and that's to kind of get us up and going from history if you're sleeping and there's a threat and you gotta fight or do whatever you can kind of rock and roll in a very short period of time just to kind of touch briefly you know basically cortisol testosterone estrogen progesterone human growth hormone insulin growth factor serotonin tranquilizers epinephrine norepinephrine these are all affected by what we eat Certain foods will turn those on. Certain foods will do certain things as far as opening up our arteries with a nitric oxide chemical that dilates our arteries and veins. So kind of knowing that, learning more about that will help out with certain problems and it will also steer you in the right direction as far as what to avoid. Okay, so we'll get into kind of indicators or things that collect data or get information about stress in our body, stress in our bloods, stress in our joints. So the best indicator is blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure, that is a typical sign that you are inflamed or you have inflammation in your body. Basically what happens is, is your body is trying to fix and repair itself. So it's trying to pump blood through your body faster and kind of clean it out so it speeds up that process so the blood pressure goes up also resting heart rate if that's elevated that can be a sign of inflammation so what I usually do is I track my uh, heart rate through a heart rate monitor I will check it out in the morning a lot of heart rate monitors now are checking seven days and it'll give you an average for a week or seven days so you can kind of find out information if you're you know doing something let's say you went on a really long run or hike you know, the next morning, your heart rate, resting heart rate might be really elevated. Um, I know sometimes my resting heart rate is 45-ish. Um, when I do something, like if I go skiing for eight hours and I'm kind of pushing myself really hard for a long period of time, the next morning, my resting heart rate might be 60. New Year's Eve, have a couple drinks, same thing the resting heart rate might be elevated to 60 or 80 beats a minute. These are good indicators. Your body, again, is trying to clean, fix, repair, damaged tissues, cells, organs, you know, so that's a great way to find out. So heart rate monitors, uh, Apple Watch, I, I like Garmin products. Um, but, you know, Fitbit, everything is getting information. I kind of look at averages and trends. I think that's the takeaway from gathering data, science information. So another great indicator or data collection tool is heart rate variability. Again, a lot of modern heart rate monitors, um, watches, they're picking this information up. So heart rate variability is the signals from your brain to your heart that tells it to contract. When you are stressed out or in a exhausted state your heart rate signals will vary quite a bit and they'll be drastically different than if you're at homeostasis or rested or recovered so they have these kind of heart rate tools to pick that electrical pulse up and again that is a good indicator if you are inflamed so that number will be high so I know on my watch uh, my kind of data tracker that I have it will give me a heart rate variability they call it a stress zone or stress test it'll definitely correlate with if I'm exhausted if I've done intense workout or 
you know, hard effort, whatever. And when I'm kind of relaxed, that stress meter will be down. Another indicator data collector is blood work. This is not as easy to get. I do have a meter, it's called a keto uh, mojo meter, and I can kind of do my own blood work that tracks uh, sugar glucose and also catches ketones in my bloodstream. So that's something I can do on my own, but um, I highly recommend you go into a naturopath, doctor, uh, even a regular doctor. You can go to some clinics and places and get some blood work done. Uh, things are getting a lot easier to do now, but you get data and you get information. Uh, there are certain biomarkers that tell us, you know, about certain liver functions, you know, adrenal function, what your kidneys are doing, how they're stressed out. So again, long term, uh, these things being stressed is not good for our organs and our overall health and our cells. Uh, we want to try to manage, be aware, control that stuff, find out information about how to do that. Chronic pain is unhealthy, and again, your body's trying to communicate and tell you information, so we need to listen to it, take note, pay attention, and figure out ways to come up with solutions and ways to address those chronic pains, um, maybe these markers in your blood, arthritis, aches, pains, and I think that will help you out on many levels and it'll inform you and get you to kind of learn more and take action on inflammation in the blood and how to fix and work on that. Okay, so now we're gonna go into kind of recommendations. On the nutrition side, um, some things that have really helped out with regulating blood, hormones, inflammation, and decreasing those things uh, is fasting or time-restricted eating. Um, also prolonged fasts. Also prolonged fasts. When we take a break from eating, again, it's resting. You're letting your digestive system, your stomach, your intestines, your um, GI tract rest cover the pair. So I think that in today's modern society, we overeat, we don't rest and take breaks from eating, and this overage creates inflammation. Um, I think that a lot of people that are overweight or you know fluffy, obese, fat, whatever you want to call it, the reason that that is happening is because they are so inflamed and their body can't manage and deal with the overload of crappy nutrients and things that the body can't process. So, you know, taking a, you know, 13 to 16, 18 hour break on nutrition will let your hormones kind of regulate. It will let your body rest and recover. So highly recommend, and uh, I've found that to be very successful. Um, you can find out more information. I have some other podcasts. Uh, there is a ton of information out on the internet about fasting, time-restricted eating, prolonged fasts, uh, a lot of beneficial things. Uh, I think our ancestors were doing this naturally because they just didn't have food abundance. You know, if you're trying to catch game or, um, you know, in the wintertime, if there's not fruits and berries and things available uh, makes it harder to eat on a regular basis. I think modern society, we have overabundance of availability on snacks and foods and meals and, you know, you go into Whole Foods and they're giving out free samples and, 
you know, you get uh, the free Slurpee on your birthday at 7-Eleven, and there's all these promotions and things, you know, you go into the, the mall and they're trying to give you free samples of this and that, so you buy their food. So, you know, what I'm saying is it's okay and it's good to take a break. So we don't need to stimulate our nervous system, our digestion, and all these processes that, you know, overage creates inflammation. And it makes us puffy, fluffy, fat, overweight, obese, whatever you want to call it. So um, on the other side of that, a recommendation that I have is to detox the body. So detoxing on a nutritional side is going to be things that help clean out your liver and your kidneys. So antioxidants, foods with skins on them, fruits and vegetables are going to help detox to some level. Now there are certain things that are better than others. Uh, my go-to uh, detoxer is seaweed. Uh, we really like seaweed. We really like seaweed salads. Uh, that seems to be somewhat of a, a better tasting uh, food. There are supplements or pills, you know, snacks that you can have that also help out with inflammation. Turmeric, curcumin, beets, ginger, CBD, or kind of that CBD oil. Uh, these will help with anti-inflammation or decrease inflammation. Going into kind of the, the beets thing, beets have a natural nitric oxide, which is a chemical that opens up your arteries and veins. So I have started using this over the last couple of years and it dilates your arteries and it helps with lowering blood pressure because it opens up. So another way that you could do this is with caffeine, uh, tea or coffee. Um, tea and coffees have polyphenols and what they do essentially, again, they open up your arteries, they get your kind of heart rate stimulated and these polyphenols help prevent against cancers. They help turn on some hormones that help with utilizing fat energy or fat pathways for metabolism and you can get some really cool benefits now the recommendation is to you know black coffee stay away from any additives no dairy no creamers no sugar so it's got to be straight black coffee and same thing with your teas um, try not to add anything with it that is going to have calories that's going to be a stimulant uh, no branch chain amino acids, no fats. Um, these things are going to kind of crank up and turn on your hormonal system. So I usually will have tea um, or you can have coffee with no sugar, no dairy when you're fasting. And this will actually turn on a hormone pathway that will help with metabolizing fats. So not going to go into a lot of detail with that, but... Um, just know that, you know, no sugar, no dairy, no calories, no branch chain of amino acids while you're fasting actually benefits you tremendously on multiple levels. Another recommendation is to cut out alcohol and drugs. So alcohols and drugs uh, affect your organs negatively. Uh, your body can't process alcohol. Uh, same thing with drugs. Your body has to use the liver, the kidneys, these kind of adrenal organs, stress organs to filter, clean, repair 
these damage processes, uh, the damage cells that occur from doing kind of the drugs and alcohol. You know, there's a ton of research. Um, there's a gentleman that I follow. Uh, his name is Dr. Daniel Amen. Uh, he does brain scans. And if you go to his website or uh, just type him in in a Google search, Dr. Amen has all these uh, brain scans of people and they compare, you know, a healthy brain with a um, schizophrenic brain with a, you know, cocaine user, uh, an alcoholic. And it's amazing how your brain shrinks, the cells die and things happen from putting substances in your body. So again, this is just what happens when we put things in our body that aren't supposed to be there, that our body can't deal with, and it doesn't know how to manage or use. So check that out, Dr. Daniel Amen. Really good information. Look at brain scans on his website. Okay, so next I'm going to go into just kind of the anti-inflammatory foods. So this is a website called healthline.com and I'll put the link in the description that you can check it out on your own. So top 13 anti-inflammatory foods, berries, okay. Berries have fiber, vitamins, and minerals. Uh, usually most fruits have antioxidants with the skin. So strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, and blackberries. This website says these compounds have anti-inflammatory effects that may reduce your risk of disease. Okay, number two is fatty fish. So fatty fish is a great source of protein and long chain omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA. So those are fatty acids. So some recommendations, salmon, sardines, herring, mackerel, and anchovies. EPA and DHA reduce inflammation and can lead to metabolic syndrome, heart disease, diabetes, and kidney disease. Okay, so we just kind of discussed that. The next one is going to be broccoli. Uh, broccoli is a go-to. Uh, eat it as much as you can. Broccoli is a cruciferous vegetable with cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and kale. Um, it is associated with decreasing the risk of heart disease and cancer. It has anti-inflammatory effects and also contains antioxidants, which prevent against cancers. Broccoli is rich in sulforaphane and antioxidants that fight inflammation by reducing levels of ketokines, which drive inflammation. So I'm not going to go into that, but uh, basically helps with lowering the risk for cancer, lowering inflammation. Okay, next is avocados. Uh, avocado, they call it the superfood. It has a lot of potassium, magnesium, fiber, and it is heart healthy as far as monosaturated fats. It contains carotenoids, which is linked to reducing risk of cancer. Avocados may reduce inflammation in skin cells. Okay, next is green tea. Green tea reduces the risk of cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, obesity, and other conditions. Peppers is number six. Peppers, bell peppers, and chili peppers are loaded with vitamin C antioxidants to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Bell peppers provide antioxidants, which helps reduce one marker of oxidative damage in the body linked to cirrhosis or a inflammation disease. Mushrooms are a, another way to decrease inflammation. I am allergic to mushrooms, so I have to kinda pick and choose which ones, but do your research, get some blood work, and get your kinda allergen 
blood tests, see what you can have, what you can't have. Um, everything's individual, so find out what works for you. So mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms. Uh, mushrooms are low in calories, rich in selenium, copper, and vitamin Bs. They also contain phenols and other antioxidants that provide anti-inflammatory protection. Uh, another one is lion's mane, which potentially reduces low-grade obesity-related inflammation. Okay, number eight, grapes. Uh, grapes are linked with decreasing risk of several diseases, including heart disease, diabetes, obesity, Alzheimer's, and eye disorders. Grapes are one of the best sources of resveratrol, another compound that is found for eyes and other healthy benefits. Number nine, turmeric. Turmeric is a spice typically found in Indian dishes. Um, I use a lot of turmeric. Uh, I usually take a pill. I will also add it on to uh, foods in the form of powder seasoning. Uh, it's basically super powerful anti-inflammatory. Uh, turmeric reduces inflammation related to arthritis, diabetes, and other diseases. Extra virgin olive oil. This is going to help with brain cancer, other health conditions, and reducing heart disease. So healthy fats is something that people are uneducated about, but your nerves all have fat. It's got a fat sheath surrounding the nerve, and that fat actually helps send signals through the nerve. So it is very important to have healthy fats, not unhealthy fats, but um, extra virgin olive oil is the best way, and I think it is one of the you know, healthiest forms of fat that your body can really benefit from. This is uh, something that I learned when I was in college in nutrition. We read a study about the average age, I think it was for Sicilians, uh, people in Italy, their average lifespan was like 95 years old and they did all this research and investigation and essentially every single person was taking some sort of olive oil with like every meal so they kind of correlated this really long lifespan with this you know high or you know good amounts of healthy fats with kind of extra virgin olive oil okay another one number 11 dark chocolate or cocoa dark chocolate is you know tastes good everybody kind of likes that um, helps with antioxidants uh, has a inflammation kind of reducer anti-inflammation property uh, these may reduce the risks of disease and lead to healthier aging. Okay, this uh, study here that I'm looking at, it says uh, chocolate anti-inflammatory effects keep the endothelial cells that line our arteries healthy. So that is basically the tissues uh, on our arteries creates an anti-inflammatory property. So this might be linked to hardening of the arteries and plaque, um, you know, heart disease. So that's pretty cool. The endothelial lining or cells can be affected by cocoa or dark chocolates. Uh, number 12, tomatoes. Uh, tomato is a nutritional powerhouse. Tomatoes are high in vitamin C, potassium, lycopene, and antioxidants associated with anti-inflammatory properties. Lycopene may be particularly beneficial for reducing pro-inflammatory compounds related to several types of cancers. So Tomatoes, good stuff for you. Uh, cherries, this is something that my naturopath recommended to me. Uh, I try to do a tart cherry juice. Um, 
you know, once a day with my meal, take really low doses of it. But uh, cherries are delicious, rich in antioxidants, and they help fight inflammation. Sweet and tart cherries contain antioxidants and reduce inflammation and your risk of disease. Okay, so I'm gonna go into this article, the Healthline, inflammation foods and things that promote inflammation. So these are things we wanna avoid or stay away from. Really briefly, junk foods, fast food, convenience food, potato chips, pretzels. These create inflammation. Refined carbohydrates, white breads, pastas, white rice, crackers, tortilla flour and biscuits, fried foods like french fries, donuts, fried chicken, mozzarella sticks, egg rolls, sugar sweetened beverages, sodas, sweet tea, energy drinks, sports drinks cause inflammation, processed meats, bacon, beef jerky, canned meat, salami, hot dogs, smoked meats. So the meats I would say, you know, organic meats, things that aren't processed, try to get as natural as organic you know, free range as you can, stay away from the stuff in bags, boxes, cans. Um, and then the last one is trans fats, so short means hydrated vegetable oils, margarines. These are unhealthy things that create lots of inflammation in your body. So that's kind of this article. I'm going to go into the study that I found from uh, health.harvard.edu, and uh, it's basically fighting inflammation. So they have a little chart here, anti-inflammation. They have a little chart here, anti-inflammation foods. So they recommend, this is Harvard, uh, they recommend tomatoes, uh, fruits, strawberries, berries, oranges, and cherries, nuts, almonds, walnuts, uh, are healthy as far as anti-inflammators, are healthy as far as anti-inflammation foods. Uh, olive oil, so they don't say extra olive oil. I would recommend extra olive oil. Extra virgin means that it's less processed and it's more natural and just kind of straight out of the olive. So I would go extra virgin olive oil uh, for your oils and I would try to do that daily for sure. Um, leafy greens, spinach, kale, collard greens, and then fatty fishes, salmon, mackerel, tuna, and sardines. So those line up with the other study that we looked at. Uh, inflammation foods, fried foods, they have a picture of french fries, sodas, highly sweetened drinks, refined carbs, they have pastries, breads, uh, they have lard, so processed you know, butters and that type of thing. Uh, they do make, uh, I think it's called ghee, G-H-E-E. -E. Uh, there are kind of these organic, less processed butters. So I encourage you to look at those as an alternative to butter or margarine. So they, they definitely make some better versions than others. So check those out, research, find out some info about those. And the last one is processed meats. So they have hot dogs and they have a, a burger, cheeseburger. So all those things are kind of modified and changed a lot. As far as this Harvard study, anti-inflammation foods. So these are parallel, kind of what we just talked about. Tomatoes, olive oil, green leafy vegetables, nuts, fatty fishes, and fruits. This Harvard study has a sentence in here that I'm going to quote. Coffee, which contains polyphenols and other anti-inflammatory compounds, may protect against inflammation. Studies have also associated nuts with reducing markers of inflammation and lowering risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. So another recommendation, detoxing foods. So there are 21 detox foods, and some of these are things that we've already covered. 
uh, in different ways, but I'll go through these just as recommendations, helpful tips and hints for you, uh, maybe things you can add into your daily routine, diet, to help out with decreasing inflammation and promoting kind of healthy blood and organ function. All right, so detoxing foods. Okay, lemon, um, coconut oil, hemp seed oil, broccoli sprouts, Brussels sprouts, onions, wheatgrass, flaxseed oil, lime or limes, arugula, spirulina, which is a plant that grows in the sea, easy to find. You can find different versions of those at stores. Avocado oil, kale, blue-green algae, uh, aka seaweed. There's different supplements and things you can buy. Spinach, turmeric, chard, cabbage, alfalfa, sprouts, garlic, and olive oil. So uh, sauerkraut is a good kind of detoxer. Again, olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. But most of these things you can find in a grocery store. They're kind of easy to get your hands on. I try to, when I do kind of a protein shake for lunch, uh, we usually put kale. We'll do, you know, some berries, strawberry, blueberry, blackberry mix. Uh, we'll throw, usually I put some kind of coconut oil in there. Um, we'll have some plant-based protein. Uh, we have usually almond uh, organic butter that we put in there almond butter so you can also buy some ground up beets uh, that come in powders you can find you know super green things uh, we usually do kale mix of spinach um, but you can add those things in it makes for a super nutrient dense uh, meal or snack and uh, will clean you out and really help your body to thrive so some other detoxing foods, so this is a different list. Bell pepper, water, lemon, cucumber, green tea, grapefruit, watercress, cauliflower, onions, lemongrass, garlic, avocado, artichoke, beets, nuts and seeds, asparagus, carrots, pineapple, turmeric, corilla, ginger, apples, turnip greens, so um, a lot of information covered today on this topic hopefully it was insightful and helpful uh, i encourage you to do some more research investigation again find out what works with you things may be different and things may change uh, depending on individual genetics and your age your gender your ethnicity you might be allergic to certain things you might not be able to take in some of these things that i mentioned so i highly recommend go get some blood work check out allergen tests you know maybe with a naturopath we want to thank you again for joining us thanks for listening we really appreciate your time uh, i know this is valuable to most people and they like the information that we're given so hopefully it's helpful and we will catch you next time Thank you.